Good evening. How's everyone doing? Yeah, if you don't mind. Did anyone grab a handout? We've got actually two this week. Uh, Pastor Tom's getting them right now. Uh, one of them is something that I would say keep with you at all times with your Bible. It says key apostolic prayers. Uh, and so we're going to go through some of those tonight. They're really, really, really awesome. Uh, it's just scripture. All compiled to one sheet to help you pray scripture. I always get so hot and sweaty during worship. I swear I could I could be leading worship in the snow somewhere outdoors and I'd probably sweat like crazy. All right, so we got uh, key apostolic prayers and prophetic promises. We'll be going through those in just a minute. That's um, a huge, awesome resource. That's just something that uh, Mike Bickle compiled. It's all of the apostolic prayers from the Bible and prophetic promises. So um, they use it to pray through, and we'll kind of talk about how they use that sheet uh, during their intercession and in their prayer times together. Uh, let's recap just a little bit. Uh, what is harp and bowl? Prayer and worship, yep. See, we used a really confusing name last week to try to get people in here. If we had said prayer and worship, no one, you know. <laughs> like, oh, I know about that. <laughs> um, so w what we talked about was Revelation 5.8. Does anyone want to turn there and read it? A volunteer. Kyle, okay. Hold on one sec. Hold on one Vincek. <laughs> now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So that's where we get the term harp and bowl from as far as it relating to worship and prayer. So that's the biblical reference. So if someone says, where is harp and bowl in the Bible? That is where we go to say that's where harp and bowl is in the Bible. Um, so we talked about real quick uh, some of the different types of prayer meeting that I feel like we have. Uh, Pre-meeting would be right before service, just praying, getting ready for an outreach, some kind of event, um, praying for something specific, specific people within a certain pe period of time that's about to happen. Uh, so this is all recap from last week. Who was here last week? And Oh, sweet. So this is really review for you guys. Great. Uh, Secondly, free form, which is what most prayer meetings are, in my opinion. It's where you just get together because you guys want to pray. We do this at Bible studies. Uh, we do this in intercession prayer. It's just a group of people getting together. Uh, there may or may not be specific topics that you're praying about. You may or may not pray together. But it's typically a group of Christians in the same room praying together. Uh, not necessarily together one-on-one, -on -one, but in the same room praying. Uh, harp and bowl is structured, usually sets of one to two hours with a worship leader and prayer uh, leader, and they're typically specific topics. Uh, the goal of Harp and Bowl is to be able to engage corporately together on the same topic, the same discussion, the same prayer, uh, the same Bible verse, whatever this kind of set is. Uh, so we saw Worship with the Word last week. Uh, did y'all enjoy Worship with the Word? I enjoyed it. I actually got, um, I was hanging out with my brother, Matthew, if any of y'all know him. He's the U.S. National Director for the Burn 24-7. Uh, so I was talking to him. We had a question last week that I thought was intriguing, and I brought it up with him when we were sitting there hanging out. And it was, how do you not disengage during worship with the Word? And um, he said that it happens to him a lot, and that what he does 
is he either plays the part of that prayer leader where he's just saying his little two words, three words at a time and kind of engaging that way, or he turns into kind of a soaking mode where he just receives from what's going on. And I thought those were both really good points uh, for kind of ways to stay engaged. And also, I didn't think about it last week, but really, you're only doing five minutes of that. So in, in a whole full cycle, you're doing, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of worship. Then you're doing some spontaneous singing, and then you're doing five minutes of that. So if there is a slight disengage, it's okay, because as soon as you right, right as you get done with it, you're going right back in to corporate worship songs that are usually familiar. So there's a way to re-engage um, in that set. So it wouldn't be a full two hours of doing the worship with the word straight back to back to back, verse to verse, verse, because uh, I could see that being very hard to follow, engage with, enjoy, other than the people that were actually doing it on stage. It'd be fun for if you were the people that were doing it, but as far as being someone that wasn't directly involved in it, I could see it getting very monotonous and hard to engage with. Um, so we talked about worship with the word. We talked about devotional set, which is um, what I consider IHOP has a devotional and prophetic set for two different types um, as far as format for a harp and bowl. Uh, I put them together, and they don't really use, from talking to my brother, they don't really use the uh, prophetic set anymore. They kind of just do the devotional, which is more or less uh, what we were kind of doing tonight before service or during service for worship. It's a worship leader really just setting an atmosphere for others to engage in God. They're not trying to direct you into worship. They're not trying to put you in a certain direction um, or a certain topic or anything like that. Uh, There's usually a lot of prophetic singing, which is just exploring God's heart over you. Um, There was a really awesome song that came out of IHOP called Do You Know the Way You Move Me? And it was sang from the Lord's perspective. And it was a song that came out of one of their devotional prayer sets where they sang about um, how the Lord sees you and how he knows you and do you know the way that you move his heart, every little thing you do. And it was just such a powerful, it was like a 25-minute moment of just them singing as the Lord's perspective over. So when we, t- we talked, we said sing with confidence, know your volume, and make sure to engage in it. Uh, the whole point is for people to hear what you're saying. You have something that we need to hear. You have something that's important. You have a perspective on God that I don't have, and I need to know what yours is. And so I need to be able to understand you, and I need to be able to hear you uh, so that I can engage in that. Also, use biblical language if you can. Use the scripture. Use the word when you're doing worship with the word. Use the scripture that just came out. You don't have to be fancy with your words. You can use the biblical language that's being presented before you. Um, so that's the recap. Man, and y'all think, how did we stay here for an hour and a half last week, huh? You couldn't just do that first time. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go into outline for intercessory prayer format. Uh, so we'll go to that sheet if you got it. It should be, I'm not sure how they did it. It should be three total pages. I'm not sure if it's front, back, and then another one or how it's done. But there should be three pages. If you look in the top right corner, it says page 47, 48, and 49 because that's what pages it is in this book that I copied it out of. So I had to kind of start the night. I had an idea and, um, or a thought I wanted to kind of put out there. Is it hard to pray when there's no direction given? Like if we were to say right now, everyone just pray for five minutes. Is it hard to come up with what to pray, or do you spend a minute, two minutes trying to figure out what you want to pray for, then pray for that, and then spend another 
30 seconds, 45 seconds thinking of what's the next thing or, you know, or the Pentecostal just praying the spirit, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But I, I find it perfect, personally hard to immediately engage in prayer in a moment with no direction, no topic, not knowing what's going on. And so uh, this isn't at all to teach you how to pray. It's more on to teach you specifically what direction to go within your prayer. So how you pray is up to you as far as the topic. This is kind of to help with unifying in a group setting a specific topic on prayer. So I'm not teaching you how to pray, but teaching how to pray together, which are two, I think, totally different things. Uh, so I'm going to read through some of this like we did last week just because I love Mike Bickle's language, and it's better than one I could summarize. In this prayer format, we use the prayers of the apostles or prophetic promises and or decrees, which is the sheet we just gave you, so that's that other sheet I gave you, to engage in intercession. We use the apostolic prayers to intercede for revival, uh, generational outpouring, visitation of the Spirit on the whole church across the city that the Lord highlights. We use the prophetic promises or decrees to pray this for specific needs, warfare themes that the Holy Spirit highlights. We focus on specific targets locally, nationally, or internationally according to the following warfare themes. So y'all like that, right? Warfare themes. That just kind of gets me excited. That's cool to me. <laughs> uh, cultural strongholds, which are murders, sorceries, immorality, and thefts, crisis events, political issues, church issues, salvation of Israel, economic issues, family issues. This is a suggested guideline and may be deviated from as we discern the spirits leading. So how does the format work? So say I ask you, hey, will you be a part of my two-hour intercession set at the burn coming up? What is that going to look like? Uh, this is, again, like last week, disclaimer, a guideline. This is a foundation. This is not finality. This is take this, change it, mold it, make it whatever works for you, who you're with, your group you're with. This is just what worked for them. If you go and you search Harp and Bowl outlines in Google, you'll find 10 different ways that other houses of prayer have taken and adapted and changed this to make it work for their groups and their congregation and whoever they're praying with. Uh, worship cycle one, 35 minutes, intercession. So 15 minutes of worship. This is kind of extremely key um, for that issue that we talked about last week of disengaging. It is key to always bring people back. Uh, we talk about that and just worship leading in general on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or at different events. We go off into prophetic flows into these spontaneous moments, but it's always important to come back to something that's unifying so that everyone can be involved in it. Uh, three to five minutes of spontaneous singing. Um, that's to me, the spontaneous singing part is just kind of to get your mouth loose, to get ready. You know, you're about to start, you know, singing spontaneous and to or whatever, back and forth to each other. Uh, so you need to be loose. You need to be ready. It's also a time to stir up your spirit, to stir up the gifts inside of you, to pray in the spirit, to sing in the spirit. Um, it just opens up a door for you for three to five minutes. Um, then we have 10 minutes of intercession, and this is where we switch from last week. This is where the prayer leader is going to be the person running everything for these 10 minutes. Um, at this time, the prayer leader invites people to bring a biblical prayer or prophetic promise and or to decree or to pray in the mic. Invite them to sit in the front row so that we know they're already. Let them know they can pray as short as one minute or as long as five minutes and that they have the option to involve the singers or not to. If they choose to use them, they need to pause to make room for them to sing. So that's just kind of their idea of during that, you would have a prayer leader who's trying to engage with the room for people to come up. Typically in these moments, 
um, they'll have a prayer topic. They're praying for the salvation of Israel. They're praying for revival in Kansas City. They're praying for the pastors in New York City. They're praying. You, there's a very specific topic that they're going for, and they're asking people to bring up these prophetic promises and um, verses that they have, the apostolic prayers, to come and decree over the microphone and then branch off of that. Um, worship cycle two. Uh, 15 minutes long intercession. So five more minutes of worship. That's to re-engage anyone after that 10 minutes of intercession that may have gotten lost, disengaged, confused on what's going on. Three to five minutes of spontaneous singing and then five minutes of intercession. Again, that's the prayer leaders choosing of what they're going to do, whether they're inviting people up, they're praying themselves. Uh, worship cycles three through seven, five to seven minutes, different intercessors from the room. So you can invite people up again. You can say, hey, a lot of times you'll see, if you see an actual set, there'll be people sitting up front, and they're just waiting during an intercession set. And then they'll get called during one of these cycles, and they'll come up and they'll pray real quick. Um, one to two prayers offered, offered consecutively if several intercessors have come forth, or you can just let one person pray for the entire five minutes, whatever works. Uh, I think these next ones are kind of cool that they typically do these every time. Uh, you go back into the worship songs, and then you invite everyone that's sick to stand in the room. And then you pray for the people that are sick in the room. I think that's an awesome, awesome idea to really engage people in the room when you're doing a meeting. A lot of times, and in a lot of the prayer meetings I've been in, we kind of disengage from each other in a corporate nature and kind of go into self-prayer mode. And it's, it's really encouraging to be in a prayer meeting where people, you're still, you're ministering to God by loving on his kids. You're still doing that up and down that you're supposed to be doing in a prayer meeting, but it's through ministering to other people. Uh, worship cycle nine, uh, intercession for the nations. Uh, Five-minute prayer for revival for a city or nation in the 1040 window. Uh, assistant prayer leader is responsible, so you can have someone else designated for that uh, time period if you want, if you have enough people. Then uh, the last one, 12 minutes, voluntary small group prayer. Uh, five minutes of worship, then you jump right back in, and you invite people that uh, want to to get in groups of three to five people in the room, and you're praying for a specific topic together in your groups of three to five people. So this is, like we saw last week, I feel like I can go through the worship cycles a little quicker because it's the exact same thing we did last week, except this time instead of praying through Scripture, we're praying for specific topics. Uh, any questions so far? I want to make sure I'm not going too quick. Cool. Awesome. All right, let's go to the next one. So principles for intercession. All have the option to involve the singers or not. So this kind of breaks down a little bit uh, of what we did yesterday, or yesterday, last week, what we learned a bit with singing back, isolating phrases, starting choruses together, uh, those kind of things. But this is about intercession. So this time, instead of singing, being a singing seminary, you're being a singing intercessor when you're a singer up there. Uh, so pray through a biblical sentence from a biblical prayer, two to four, four verse stanza. Pray for up to five minutes without singers if you want. Go longer if others are not in line to pray. So you can pray um, for as long as you want for these three to five minutes, and then you can break, and then you and the singers can go back and forth together in those, and you can give them things to sing about. For example, you could say, uh, you know, Lord, break in with your spirit of wisdom and revelation in our high schools in Wilmington. Would you break in with your spirit? And then the singers could start singing for your spirit to break in, and then you'd be going back and forth with them on different things that you want to, and you would direct the singers as a prayer leader on what they're going to be singing and praying about. 
uh, isolating a phrase was what I was just talking about there. The prophetic singers, they're going to sing around it and find uh, different ways to say it and different things on their heart as well to sing about that topic. But for this, you want to try to stay as focused as possible with where the intercessor is trying to lead things. So that way, you know, you don't just, we're sitting there praying for the Spirit of God to break in in the schools in Wilmington, and you suddenly go, and yes, in Israel. And then everyone's like, what, why'd you, where, where are we going to Israel now? <laughs> like, I'm lost. You want to keep everyone engaged in the same topic, in the same focus, and doing the same thing. Not that it's wrong to pray for Israel, but the purpose of it is to stay unified. Uh <laughs> Voluntary, spontaneous choruses, it's what we did last week. Um, you can do that as well in the, these situations where you can have spontaneous prayer choruses where you're just singing, Lord, let your light break in. Lord, let your light break in. Lord, let your light break in. And it's a chorus that engages the whole room so that everyone can be involved in that same prayer and that same promise, whatever it is you're speaking on at that moment. Voluntary small group prayer, five to seven minutes. Uh, one of the things I like that he highlights in here, I'll read it. Prayer leader invites without pressure all who want to participate in a small group of four to five to stand to indicate their desire to participate. They pray for any burden on their heart. I love that because you, you do it without pressure because sometimes people are, are doing something else. They're, they're in a different moment with God, and you can really interrupt that moment they're having by trying to immediately change what's going on. Uh, I know we see it on Sunday morning. Sometimes people are just getting wrecked at the altar, and you just got to let them be there. It's the best thing you could possibly do is nothing. <laughs> and so I, f I feel like that's really important if you get in a situation where you're calling for small groups. Um, let people know it's okay to stay seated when you're asking people to volunteer to pray in small groups in the room. Let them know that, hey, it's fine if you want to stay seated, you, if you want to continue praying by yourself. Uh, individual prayer for the sick, approximately five to seven minutes. The prayer leader invites the sick to stand to indicate their uh, desire for prayer. Ask three to four people to gather around them to pray for them or for the requests on the prayer board. That is what we do on Sunday mornings a lot of times. Um, Pastor Tom or Pastor Mike will come up and ask, is there someone sick? Is there someone around them? Let's lay hands on them. They've done that plenty of times in service on Sunday mornings. It's just an opportunity to let everyone engage in praying for each other and loving on each other uh, without having to have it to where it's called forward and then you have that, you know, with this model, you're going to be continuing in the prayer and worship. It's not going to be an altar call ending of service. It's going to be a continuation. So to have that come forward, go back, come forward, you kind of get in this weird dance where you're lost at where you should be, and it gets kind of confusing for people. Prayer for the 1040 window, um, exactly what it says. You can pray for the 1040 window. <laughs> um, Optional, prayer for outreach ministries. So if you like outreach ministries, which I think some people in here do, considering they're out, outreach pastors and stuff, uh, the prayer leader invites people involved in ministry outreach to stand to indicate their desire for prayer. Um, so this is, you're just praying for the people involved, like missionaries um, or ministries or ministry events that are coming up for it. So let's go to the next page. I'm trying to go through this quickly because last week I feel like we should have had more time to practice some of this. And I feel like everyone felt that we were, they were like, oh, I wanted to keep going. So I want to allow some time for us to keep going this week if we want to, uh, without going too late into the evening. More on praying prophetic promises and or decrees. So this is some of their breakdown of kind of the themes to pray. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about the key apostolic prayers. And I've got actually a video from IHOP that shows them doing the, an intercessor set that uh, is real quick, real concise, that I think will be extremely helpful. 
Seven warfare themes. Select one theme plus a Bible passage with a prophetic focus, prayer, decree, or promise. Cultural strongholds. These are earthly manifestations in our society of demonic spiritual powers that operate in heavenly places. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. These include, include the four primary cultural strongholds or sin patterns in the end times. Murder, which is abortion, gangs, drug rings, organized crime, evil governments, etc. Sorceries, occult groups, human sacrifices, false religion and cults, demon worship, witchcraft. Immorality, which is adult entertainment industry, prostitution, sex slavery, and thefts, legal and illegal stealing. Uh, number two is crisis events, catastrophic events in nature, weather, earthquakes, famines, wars, and plagues. Political issues, secular government, especially political or civic issues. We could probably just stay on number three for the remainder of our lifetime if we wanted to and just pray on it. Um, church issues, release of anointing for ministry. Salvation of Israel, righteousness, salvation, and peace released to Israel. Economic issues, anointing and wisdom for business and deliverance from economic crisis. Family issues, youth issues, marriages, divorce, the elderly, orphans, widows, the disabled, etc. Um, just that first paragraph there, you could take that and use that as your prayer tool for the next year after year after year, in my opinion, and just cultivate that. We're going to talk about in the next paragraph, cultivating that to specific things, taking each one of those and making a specific thing. In praying the warfare themes, paragraph number two here, be as specific as possible. For example, specific people, church leaders, political leaders, students, business leaders, etc. Specific ministries, apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, etc. Specific area, city, region. Specific problem, cultural stronghold, moral issue in society such as immorality, rebellion, drugs, oppression, abuse, sickness. Specific organization, churches, schools, government agencies, police department. Specific economic status, poor, rich, etc. Specific age group, elderly, teenage, children, i.e. youth issues, fatherhood, immorality, rebellion, drugs. Um, so you can take all of those specific topics, intermingle them with the cultural strongholds you have up there, and you have an endless list, in my opinion, of things to pray for and prayer topics to get as far as what, what should I pray for today, what should, what's on my heart, how do I pray for it. Between those two paragraphs, I think you can cultivate as many things possible as a prayer list for you. Uh, the intercessor develops the warfare themes in two ways. First, by proclaiming God's victory by agreeing with the supremacy, supremacy of Jesus, declaring prophetic decrees and reminding God of his promises, and second, by denouncing the enemy, by confessing sin, resisting Satan, and renouncing the works of darkness. In other words, by agreeing, declaring, and reminding along with confessing, resisting, and renouncing. Use prophetic decrees, there's a bunch right there for you, or entire prophetic passages. We can also declare the supremacy of Jesus by declaring who we are in Christ, we are the children of light, sons of God, bride of Christ, family of God. So I think that's really cool um, way of going about spiritual warfare in there. First off, you're proclaiming God's victory. And so you're saying, Lord, you are bigger, you're better, you're greater. Your light overcomes darkness. Um, because we're children of light, wherever we go, your light will break out. Um, denouncing the enemy, you have no power in here because we are the children of light. Your darkness can't stand here because we are God's children. You know, you take those things and that way you're showing who God is and we're agreeing and we're reminding God of who he is. 
And we're also denouncing and reminding the enemy that he has nothing on him and that he has no power on him. Victory reframes. So this one always makes me think of you, Mike. <laughs> so uh, it consists of two distinct choruses that uses reframes that proclaim yes, no. For example, the worship leader sings, we say yes to life, and then the chorus leader sings, we say no to death. The worship leader initiates this by singing the yes refrain, then the chorus leader responds by singing the no refrain alternately. The music style and victory refrains use minor keys with a militant beat on the drums. That part always makes me think of you. Mike comes up to me some Sundays, and he'll just be like, I, I, need, a, I, need, a, I need a beat on the drums. You know what I'm saying? I just need during all, I need a beat on the drums. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. But when you actually hear it, um, it makes sense. There's certain music for certain prayers that just work. Um, and it's made to be that way. The piano should be played with strong repetitive notes. Uh, having a driving militant bass and a trumpet and prophetic intercession is vital. I don't agree with the trumpet part, but it would be really cool to get someone that plays trumpet. If you know anyone that plays trumpet, let me know. There we go. I got a trumpet player right there. Awesome. Um, sing victory reframes in conjunction with hollow chorus. The Lord is good. His mercy endures. Um, use victory reframes for each of the 12 words used in the hymn of Revelation. Glory, dominion, honor, power, might, salvation, riches, wisdom, strength, blessing, thanksgiving, righteousness, or use any of the five words describing God's activities. True, righteous, great, marvelous, just. I think those are just awesome. Like you could really just, you could have church on those last 17 words and just enjoy it and enjoy God so much in that moment. Uh, any questions up to this point? Because you're going to be doing it in just a little bit, so if you have a question, let me know. Um, apostolic promises or prayers and prophetic promises. So we'll take just the first one. Um, turn to the side at the top, it says key apostolic prayers and prophetic promises, August 2006. Everyone on that side. So we'll take the very first one. So that you would be able to say, pray for the revelation of Jesus' beauty that we might walk in our calling and destiny by God's grace. So you'd want to pick a specific group of people, a church, a place, whatever, for this promise to be about. So you could say that we're going to pray for Wilmington pastors for the revelation of Jesus' beauty that they might walk in their calling and destiny by God's power. And so that would be your topic as you're praying for Wilmington pastors for the revelation of Jesus' beauty that we may, they may walk in their calling and destiny by God's power. And then you can read that the Father of glory may give you to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his, the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So that's how, they, that's how they always start those. And they're starting with these apostolic prayers and these prophetic promises and this biblical language that just, I mean, to me it just fires me up to hear these things because you're listening to the, the words that the apostles prayed. You're praying the prayers that the apostles prayed. You're praying scripture, which is God's word. So you're praying God's literal prayers is what you're starting with. And to declare that over a situation, a group of people, or whatever you're looking at, I think that it just unifies everyone because there's all those things you see where it has in parentheses experience. It has in um, parentheses assurance, clarity of God's call for our life, 
destiny of Jesus' inheritance. And those are things that you can jump off of as a prayer leader. That's why those extra things are there. So once you get done praying through that verse and you're going into your five-minute prayer, you're able to use those things that are already there to expound on that promise and on that prayer for whatever group you're praying for in those moments. Um, so this is something I've always, I, I picked one up back in probably 2007 from Z-Hop which was the Zadok House of Prayer in Charlotte before it shut down. And it's been something that really changed my life, being able to have those all the time. Because it's just, some, I mean, you can, you can literally just take it and pray through the whole list for yourself if you want to. You can just take it and go through each one. And it just starts teaching you prophetic and, uh, prayers and prophetic promises for yourself, for your family, for your community. Um, so, Gregory, are you back there? Hey. How you doing, man? You got any questions? You can. So I want to watch a video. Before we do, I'm going to give some uh, backstory on this. This video is from IHOP. It's 2012 or 13. The one, um, the guy who's leading worship, um, he's got a beanie on his head, a toboggan. Uh, his name's Corey Asbury. Do y'all know, anyone know who Corey Asbury is? All right. Anyone know the song Reckless Love that we've done? Oh, the overwhelming never. And he wrote that song. Um, so that's Corey Asbury. Um, this is him five, six, seven years ago. He was in the House of Prayer, I think, for 10 or 15 years, something like that. He's now, I believe, in Florida. Uh, the woman that you'll see in a white beanie that, remember when we talked about position one, two, and three with the singers? She's in position one. Um, that's his wife, Anna Asbury. They actually made it, that, met at the House of Prayer. Uh, I was good friends with, they're from Little Washington. She is. I was actually friends with her brother. Um, then the next person in line, the next girl in line, is Laura Hackett. Uh, which is a very popular singer at IHOP as well. Um, we've done some of her. What's one of her songs? Jesus. Oh, yeah, the one that uh, Sarah likes to do a lot. Um, we will watch, we will pray, we will wait for that day. Lamps are lit. Oh, the stored hearts are burning, bridegroom, Lord. That song that we do that Sarah likes to do. We are the church, we are your bride. Oh, makes us strong. That's her song. So, um... This is what molds those people into writing those songs. And this is the moments that those songs come out of. Almost all of the Corey Asbury songs, the Laura Hackett songs, John Thurlow, who um, I did his song last week, uh, the Even When My Eyes Don't See It. Um, we've done a couple of his. Um, all those songs come out of prayer moments and prophetic singing in the prayer room and worship with the word. And if you get, like, the albums that are from the IHOP Forerunner people, like, you, you just, it's literally just scripture because it came out of a moment of worship with the word or it came out of an intercession set. Um, so if you are a songwriter or um, worshiper that wants to be a songwriter, both of these formats, doing them in your personal time, can help you dramatically in just learning how to be a psalmist and developing that in you. Um, do you have that ready, Gregory? So we'll watch this. I'll make some comments during it or whatever. just doing a corporate worship song right now, engaging everyone in the room.
one thing I love is if you watch them, they're in, as a team, they're interacting with each other and they're watching each other and learning. Church of Kansas City from 1 Corinthians 1. Father, I ask that you would cause our community, IHOP family, and the church in this city to be enriched in everything by you and all utterance. That's the third from the bottom on your prophetic prayers right there that he's praying out of. 1 Corinthians. Upon your church that we would walk in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit without measure. Lord, so we ask you tonight in the name of Jesus, would you enrich us in everything? You can stop it there, Gregory. For some reason, I didn't make this video, but it goes right back through the whole thing again. <laughs> so, um, so the one thing we didn't talk about was rapid-fire prayer. Um, I love it. It's five to ten seconds. So you have you need someone that is a strong prayer leader to guide one of those times because you have to be okay with taking the mic from someone if they're saying something crazy because uh, it will happen. So you have to be okay with po policing that. You know, you're responsible as a prayer leader for what's being prayed and what's being released into the room. And so you have to be strong in that and confident in that and be okay with being like, oh, mm -hmm, okay. You know, if you notice in there, they don't hand the mic off. They hold the mic. You know, so there's never that handoff of power that's going on. Um, 
So that's something that's also an option for you in any of these cycles to invite people in for rapid-fire prayer. I love, if you, if you ever watch IHOP on the live stream, they have it for free on their website um, and on YouTube. But if you ever watch it, when they call people for rapid-fire, there's always like 30 people that go up there. And it's just because that's just the atmosphere. There's, there's nothing, there's, no, there's none of that fear. There's none of that being scared of praying. It's just what you do. It's part of life. It's part of being a Christian. Like, we're just going to pray, you know, and that's part of what we're supposed to do. Uh, and you saw there was a real clear f- prayer focus for it. Uh, they were praying for the Kansas City. They were praying off of that third one there, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 5 through 8. Uh, pray to be enriched by all the gifts of the Spirit, including powerful preaching and prophetic revelation. And you notice that he didn't just go through it like a robot. He kind of made it his own. He introduced what he was praying about. He kind of prayed around in the verse and in the Scripture, said what verse it was going to be on. I think it's really key when you're, when you're going to pray to let people know what Scripture you're praying out of so that other people can engage. The whole purpose of these, this atmosphere is for us to pray together and agree together in those moments. And if we can't be engaged with one another, then we've lost the corporate power of prayer in those moments. There's still power in prayer, but we've lost that corporate power that happens in those moments. Um, Another, another key for doing this is the same with the singing. Speak clearly and speak loudly. Um, we, we want to agree with each other, and it's impossible when you can't understand someone. It's impossible to agree. Uh, not to say that that prayer is unheard, that prayer is unnoticed, that that prayer doesn't have power. That prayer is absolutely as powerful as one that's prayed clearly and loudly in a, in a moment like that. But... You can't engage in the room. You can't engage with one another. Um, there's a stigma. I've, I've been in church for my whole life. And so, but, but I've noticed, and not with our church um, nearly as much at all. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit. But um, I've noticed that there's always there, they're the platform where the congregation kind of divide that happens. When you're, even in prayer movement, even in prayer moments, even in, the burn, even on Sunday mornings, um, there's always that, the platform and the congregation, and the platform and the congregation. And I've always had this thought of, if we're gathering together, shouldn't we interact with one another? Shouldn't we be engaged with one another? Shouldn't we be, you know, promoting each other? Shouldn't we be stirring up the gifts inside of each other? And shouldn't we be provoking each other in, in the Lord? Um, and so I've always, I've always wanted to find a way to tear that down. I don't know how, um, but I think this is part of it. I think engaging with each other, doing rapid-fire prayer, inviting people up to be a part of what's going on is a way to, a way to do that because um, I can worship at the house. I can pray at the house. You can worship at your house. You can pray at your house. But there's something special when we come together as a family and we come together as a corporate body and we agree on a topic and we pray for something specifically.